Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast. Uh, MWR.com is the website. Matt, Matt joining me, Jeremy right here. Uh, it's a, what, what is this, man? Is this officially episode two of the offseason? Do we need to keep track this year of how many we do? <laughs> uh, no, it might be easier for everybody involved if we just kind of run with things without, without counting too many things. Just subscribe. That's all it is, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> subscribe to the feed. So we're here, offseason show. We we had one plan to do at one point, um, or really quick, Twitter, also MWCR. Go hang out there where we tweet a lot of stuff out, basketball, football, and coaching news, which we'll do. There we were go. going to do our our way too early, dumb predictions, 2022 stuff. That could wait a week because when we get news that Hawaii gets new head coach and our coach gets – or, excuse me, coach gets – no longer has a head coach, I should say. We need to talk about it because we talked about the uh, – what state Senate hearing we've talked about with Mark DeLucci. We talked about a lot of things. So we'll discuss the new happenings in Hawaii. Plus I think at this point it's, I guess a good time to talk about the portal because it's always moving. It's a living, living thing. So we'll discuss that as well. So, yeah. And you know, we're, we're about a month in. And so I think, you know, I think the, the, what the late national signing day is. What is it? First week of February. Okay, yeah, so it's not that far away, but I think you know, relative to where we are from the end of the the official regular season, you know, the what was it like the beginning of bowl season was about a month away at this point. You know, the last game mm-hmm. of the year was about three weeks ago at this point. So I think it is, um, you know, we'll probably still see some movement throughout this, you know, leading up to spring ball, maybe a little bit more in the summer. But I think it is a, a worthwhile time to kind of take stock of where things are at right now across the mountain west yeah part of it is a lot of the schools have started and so they can't pull a jay caner who oh i'm going to washington and oh yeah. never mind coming back without a rule in school which is why this this will tie into the hawaii situation where guys left or had they known the coach todd graham wouldn't be there they would come back but once school enrolled you're basically giving up an extra year because once yeah. you're enrolled because you right now they kind of get the freebie essentially that's the that's how it is right now but they'd have to sit out again and it's a hassle. So you're right. Like if we're going to see people transfer, it's probably going to be, there could be schools that start a little bit later in the term, like if they have a quarter system or whatever, mm-hmm. I don't know everybody's schedule, but some, not every school started, but sitting here in the middle of January, most colleges have already started their spring semester or their third quarter. Yeah. So if anybody's going to move, it's likely to be after spring football later in the year where they can it's like, Oh, I'm announcing I'm in the portal. They'll, Maybe pick a school, maybe not, but finish the semester so they're eligible and grade wise, and then find their school in the summer. Yeah, so that's most likely. Or if there's a potential grad transfer, I guess could technically, if they graduated right now, they might build a move. But it's going to be very the movement's basically going to slow down quite a bit. Yeah, until basically spring football for all these teams. So let's start with actually. I guess we since we're going to the portal, I guess we're going to start there. So. Did you know, our, we have our group DM, and I'm looking at a couple of things here or there, what gets tossed in there from everybody who participates, which kind of helps out. Did you know, because Wyoming's also a lot of people in the portal. It may yes. not be as dire as people think, 
we can we'll get to that later. But our buddy Jesse, who did a show on us with me about a couple weeks ago, which you should listen to about Wyoming football, four of their players have power five went to a power five school. Uh, that's not good, is it? <laughs> it's it's definitely sort of. I mean, and, and I think it's important to to say up front, you know, that, that Wyoming is hardly alone in this regard. You know, there are some other players that we might talk about throughout the course of this mm-hmm. conversation. Like, like there are a lot of people throughout the Mountain West who have jumped to power five teams, but I think it's sort of unusual. And when you look at the Cowboys in particular and take stock of what they were able to accomplish with all that talent, which, you know, I, I think that, you know, everybody would be in agreement that they, they never really quite hit their ceiling or rather they haven't yet during the Craig oh. Bowl tenure. And so to see you know, all these people within a month, you know, leave Laramie and jump to, and it's, it's not like these are, you know, bottom feeding power five programs either, you know, Xavier went, went to Arizona state. Like, you know, he's probably going to replace, uh, or I, I think Rashad white is jumping in the NFL. I can't remember exactly, but he will be their starting running back. And when they play Utah, I'd be like, Holy crap, get ready to face this guy. Cause he's really good. Like Arizona state is a team. They still have Jaden is a Jaden Daniels, a quarterback who, Yes. Was somehow Heisman frontrunner or preseason Heisman favorite last year. They're a decent, they're above average team. Like they could go in and it wouldn't be overly surprising to me that they could win the Pac 12 South. Like they're, yeah. they have enough talent to be in contention with USC still in transition. Utah's really good. UCLA's up there, but they would be in contention when the Pac 12 South. And it's, they go from Wyoming to there and he'll, he'll be a plug and play guy who'll get probably 120 yards a game. And we've seen him, what, 25 carries a game multiple times to average, I think about 20 a game. Like that's a valuable asset to have. Yeah, and, and even more than that, you know, you look at Isaiah Nair jumping to Tennessee, it, and whether you were paying attention to the volunteers or not, you know, they were one of the highest scoring offenses anywhere in college football last year. And so all of a sudden, you know, even if he's not, you know, like the guy in this in the same way that he very obviously was for the Cowboys this past year, you not know, getting twenty yards a catch. <laughs> but but it wouldn't surprise me for him to go in and 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 you know, contribute at a high level with that sort of, you know, fast paced offense that Josh Heupel runs out there in Knoxville. And then, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, CJ Colton and Azizi Hearn, both of their starting quarterbacks are, have gone to Oklahoma and UCLA respectively. So like that's pretty significant departures to pretty significant programs. And that I think is where a lot of the sting lies, because I think, you know, what you said at the very top to say, you know, their situation isn't as dire as it might seem at first glance. And and you can give them the benefit of the doubt for finding ways to replace these this talent that they're losing to the portal. But to see it all happen in this manner, it sort of makes you wonder what might have been or how things could have gone oh, differently, yeah. I guess you might say, I th- more than anything. I think, I think how they left, because we had Sean Chambers, Levi Williams leave within 24 hours after the mm-hmm. dominant bowl game. Multiple players leave so quickly. So it's more of a boom, boom, like a rapid fire guy is out of there. Yeah. And they've lost, like they lost both their quarterbacks. Levi Williams is going to Utah State. Then they, they did a nice swap with um, Andrew, or, um, sh- oh, geez. Um, Andrew Peasley. Oh, Andrew, yeah, I, I was going to say him, like, no, wait, somebody, yeah, Andrew Peasley going to Wyoming. Well, I mean, grabbed a random grad train, a random Juco guy from Southern Utah by like four career attempts. That's cool, I guess. Sean Chambers is going to Montana State. So, and that, and Mont- like, also Montana State is a pretty good FCS program. So they're mm-hmm. going to programs who FCS are pretty like, up, yeah. Yeah. Like, even what Rome Weber, Weber going to Western Kentucky, they're a solid team in that conference. So mm-hmm. they're not going to nobody league teams. And the only one that's really weird, I guess, well, not weird, but. Uh, Levi Williams is kind of weird, but there's maybe a relationship reasoning why. But they, the amount they've lost, like part of the reason I said maybe it's not as bad as it was because as just Twitter throughout the week, but like, I realized, oh yeah, it's a Wyoming guy. He's like, it may not be as bad. It may not be, but Craig Bull also can make good stuff out of not having an amazing roster. Exactly. Because defense, he's usually pretty good. Like it's crazy. Like the NFL this weekend, Logan Wilson with the Bengals. They're eyes watching that game. Like they're talking about, like he doesn't just play linebacker. He'll play safety. He'll play dime. He'll play nickel coverage. Mm-hmm. They had Josh freaking Allen. Look what he did against the uh, the Patriots the other day. It's like holy crap. And Alex Kirshner of like Split Zone Duo put up there like, how is Craig Bull? What is going on with Craig Bull? Where and then people bring up, oh, he only had the the Fresno State didn't get him. Well, I mean, offer only. It's like blah blah blah. It's like that's like that's the one position where he doesn't seem to get the most out of his talent. And 
it's weird because look what he did with Carson Wentz in North Dakota State. But that's a different conversation a little bit. But while it's just, I think you're right, the succession they've lost, I think if we move on, the big winner, is it have to be Colorado State from who they gained? I, would, I mean, I guess you would say they'd have to be one of them, right? If yeah, only continuity. Because, yeah, and if, if only because they're bringing in so much talent that's already familiar with the system. I think that that is really you know, where the big key, you know, where, where most of the most of the benefit comes from is, you know, you're not only getting, you know, the, the coaching staff that Joe Norvell has, has you know, put together in Reno, you know, you're also getting, you know, two wide receivers, you know, right off the bat, Torrey Horton and Melquan Stovall, who are familiar mm-hmm. with this system. You're getting, you know, a pair of offensive linemen, you know, Gray Davis and Jacob Gardner, who were part of that same starting lineup last year. And, you know, even though the, the defense sort of trailed what the offense did over the last couple of years for the Wolfpack, you know, you're getting guys who contribute on that side of the ball too. You know, you're getting, you know, someone like AJ King, you're getting, you know, you know any number of guys who could step in there. And, and I think that to me is maybe the, the key for how fast the Rams are going to get their rebuild off the ground is how well that, how, how well the defensive side of the ball comes together. So I'm sort of waiting and seeing, I mean, I, I think it's fair for Rams fans to be optimistic because a lot of the offensive talent that they have coming in is, is established and, and pretty good talents, but I think, you know, how well they build up the defensive side of the ball under their new quarter for banks is going to go a long way toward determining what their, what their year one outlook might look like. And if I'm correct, Dante Wright's still in town, right? Uh, yes. Okay. So you have him, you have Troy Horton, like you guys, you mentioned Stovall. I think defense. And then I think the other thing, who's your quarterback going to be because um, Todd Sente was gone. And uh, they do bring in, I guess, Clay Milton from Nevada. Who knows when he'll play or whatever, how his status would be in the depth chart order. So that's like that's the only area where if they in kind of running back, but they have enough other talent to like it could be. Because remember, they were legitimately very close to being a bowl eligible team last year, this past season. Mm-hmm. They were a couple of fluke play, the beating FCS team, not blowing up versus Vanderbilt, and then the. Falafel versus, or whatever you want to call it, for kerfuffle versus Utah State. That's three wins right there they could have had and probably should have had, sitting at six and six. Mm-hmm. And we maybe, they still may have freaking Steve Dazia as their head coach. So maybe it's a good thing. But the team wasn't extremely far off from being com- competitive. They were competitive. Like they just had a couple of weird things happen, a couple of bad losses. And yeah, that's their team where they're, I think you're right. Like the continuity brings them over from Nevada, Norvell. They may lose. We'll get to this. So Timmy Chang may be going to Hawaii, possibly. We'll get to that later. But I think they could be a team that could be one of those turnaround teams, go from like three wins to like eight wins, possibly. Maybe, yeah. I think they need a quarterback and then see if the running game goes. Also, I, I think another big winner, San Jose State, man. And I guess we, we, I can include Fresno State, too, but another winner, San Jose State getting Elijah Cooks, getting Shavon Cordero, getting like Justin Lockhart from Nevada. Get, getting a couple playmakers because they'll they'll be coming in. Shavon, I, I assume. Would you agree, Shavon would start over Nick Nash next year? Would you say that's interesting question? I think that that I mean, right now, I would imagine that that is likely to be a competition that's going to play itself out in the spring, if only because like we we've, we've seen both of these guys perform, and mm-hmm. you know, with with Cooks and Lockhart in the fold, I think you know they're going to have you know, uh, enough wide receiver talent to, to maybe be a little bit better than they were out, you know, out, outside last yeah. year, which is not to say that they were bad, but they were definitely uneven. They were very up and down. Some of it was owed to injuries. Some of it was due to just, you know, it's, you know, a little bit of regression. And, but I think it's important. Quarterback injury too. Remember, don't forget that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's important to know too, that they also picked up a couple of offensive linemen from the transfer portal as well, which, you know, going into last year, they had one of the more seasoned uh, offensive lines anywhere in the conference. And most, if not all of those guys are moving on. Like, you know, Jack Snyder is playing in the, what is he playing in the East West Shrine Bowl in, in next month? I think so. Yes. And, that, and that's sort of indicative of, of how they're, you know, not necessarily rebuilding, but they're definitely reloading all across their offense. So I think you're bringing in James McNorton and Bryce Peterson from Washington State and Akron, respectively, the way that they have is maybe as important, if not a little bit more so, than bringing in the likes of Cordero, Cooks, and Lockhart. But I think, you know, that having that skill position talent, that wide receiver is going to be doubly important too because they were able to shore up some of their losses to the transfer portal. You know, Isaiah Holiness transferred. He's gone. He's already at UMass. 
uh, Andre Crump entered the transfer portal recently. And so they're sort of turning a new page, you know, in, in more than one way on offense. But I think, you know, I, I, I think I, for now, I am still willing to extend the benefit of the doubt to that offensive coaching staff that they will find a way to figure it out and overcome some of last year's shortcomings. That's very true. I think, but I think when you go to QB, Cordero and Nash are kind of almost a similar player a little bit, but Shabon, we've seen him throw a bit more. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we'll see. I like, I think Fresno State keeping all those guys is a big winner, even though who they've brought in, like they've brought in at least at the moment, depending. You've been, I'm looking at uh, the thing you've been updating. So I'm assuming it's, you did it. We've updated recently, at least you, you have. I, I updated it about a couple hours ago, actually. Okay. I, mean, I there, figured you'd be more. Yeah, because you know, got- they had a couple of defensive guys move on to the transfer portal. Alex Demise up front, mm-hmm. while and free, uh, you know, in the in the defensive backfield. But you know, other than you know Jake Hainer's brief flirtation with the portal, they haven't lost anybody that's like really significant from last year's yeah. team. And but the, and on the flip side, they haven't really added anybody. The only the only name that's come in to this point is Nico Remigio from Cal, which, give, which gives them another weapon. Which yeah. You know, on an offense that figures to be just about as stacked as it was last year, I think that that puts them in a pretty good situation where, you know, maybe not as much activity across the board as other teams in the conference. But for a team that's sort of sitting pretty with so much returning production, especially on offense, that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, it's totally not. Is there anything? So we look at who else in the league. Um, New Mexico losing Andy Dumas is a pretty big deal. They're running back. That's whew, yeah. Since he was who else they lose? They're trying to pull up their list here. He's at probably they've also a dozen guys, but that's a big loss for them. I think one of their bigger ones. But also look at guys like Kate Briggs going to Texas Tech, Power Five guys, Jake Buffer, Buffer going to Arizona, a couple guys leave going to bigger programs. But I think Dumas, it's with with New Mexico, it's like you get guys. It's almost like it seems like the past couple of years. I know you're not super familiar with San Jose State basketball, but for the past like five or six years, they literally lost their best one or two players. I remember big, I remember seeing like somebody writing up something about, you know, another San Jose State player leaving and then flourishing elsewhere at like Gonzaga or whatever. Yeah, so it was yeah, so it was Gonzaga. Though he goes like in, in, in the NBA right now, I names escaping me, but there's a guy, I think he's currently at BYU, who went to LSU for a hot second, then is at BYU this year. Um I, I wish I knew the name in front of me, but I'm, I'm just spacing in basketball. But they multiple guys like your best player were leaving year after year. It's almost like New Mexico because they lose their running back, they lose kick returners, they lose these guys. Who, if they stay a couple of years, they might be something to help this program. Now, and see, the only that's tough. Now, most of the reason I would say it may not be that big of a deal. I mean, I, I would say you know losing Dumas is maybe you know fairly damaging. I would say just because he impressed as a freshman, which is very hard to do, no matter where you're playing. Mm-hmm. But if I remember correctly, I remembered seeing on Twitter. I believe it was Steve Bergen of the Albuquerque Journal put it out there that Nathaniel Jones, who. Um, who I think he either had a flirtation of his own with the portal last year, but I believe he's set to come back and he had a pretty nice season two years ago before, you know, more or less not seeing the field last year. So if he comes back and he can kind of round back into form, then maybe, you know, losing a player like Dumas isn't as bad, but as far as some of the other guys who have left, you know, Cade Briggs, Jack Buford, when it comes to the Lobos in particular, they were already trending, especially towards the end of last year, toward being an extremely young team where, you know, some of the, most of the guys that they're losing, I don't know other than Dumas that they are necessarily terrible losses. I guess I would say, you know, you might be losing a little bit, you know, a couple of depth pieces on the offensive line, but as far as the guys who I would imagine are going to get the most run in spring ball to, to win jobs going into the fall, you know, most of those guys are still in the program, like, you know, your, your Luke Weissongs and your Tavian Combses and, and, and guys like that, you know, guys who we're seeing a lot of playing time as freshmen and sophomores over the last two years. So yeah, on its face, they, they lose a lot of players, but you know, when you really dig into what those players were contributing, it may not be as substantial as it would appear. I don't think. It could be. I just, when you go to the one main guy, it's like, dang it, like your best player could do something that's gone. But mm-hmm. hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully the guys who stick around are able to contribute and they kind of keep building up. And, I, th- and I think that's, and I think that's sort of the same case for a team like San Diego state where, you know, again, mm-hmm. on in their face, you know, we talked about Lucas Johnson tra- uh, transferring to Montana, you know, a week yeah. or two ago, 
know, Joey Capra, who's sort of an offensive line depth piece, is on his way to Nevada. Kagan Williams is in the transfer portal, so they're mm-hmm. losing at least one or two running backs beyond Greg Bell. Um, yeah, some depth. Yeah. You know, I think you know the, the offensive line departures are something of an eyebrow raiser. You know, Capra, Desmond Besant, Chris Martinez. You know, all those guys saw you know pretty significant playing time over the last couple of years. But I think when you look at who they brought in, they've maybe sort of you know battled the transfer portal to a draw, if you will, because they brought in Cade Bennett from Oklahoma State. You know, we, mm-hmm. we talked about Devin Lamp on the defensive line, you know, a little bit uh, a couple weeks ago, and you know they brought in Justice Tavai from Hawaii. So even if they may not have one guy capable of replacing someone like Cameron Thomas, you know they have the depth to be able to maybe do it as a team going into twenty twenty two. And so they may not be like the biggest winner from the transport portal, but I think as far as, you know, who they've lost and who they brought in, I think Essex fans can feel pretty good about where the team is at going into the spring. That's a, no, that's, that's good. Yeah, they just, there's always a couple of guys here and there. What about Utah State bringing in? They didn't lose too much. Also, we mentioned Peasley. That's a couple of guys. Nothing super substantial. I would say like a long snapper, a couple of backups there. But when they bring in the, you get, got the guy, oh, okay, from Alabama, well, wasn't he, I believe, injured or something? And, he but, was injured, yeah. And so that's – we never know. It could be a good, good spot where he's going to be buried behind the depth chart because they bring in a million guys like Jalen Waldo over here to come in and play wide receiver. And so that's, I think, where well, maybe I won't get my chance to play. But they've been going hard. Like, they bring in Brian Cobbs from Maryland, and Maryland had to make we make fun of Michael Oxley all they want. They put up all the points in all the games this year. Mm-hmm. They they, got, got, they bring a lot of receiver, like another receiver. The um, His exact name is Xavier Williams. But they bring guys from Power 5 teams like MJ Tafisa from Washington, um, backup lineman from BYUK Parish. So they brought in some – and I guess Anthony Switzer probably was with uh, Blake Anderson before from Arkansas State. Mm-hmm. So they brought in some decent pieces. And then maybe, like, I think Cobb's a couple like, well, look what Devin Tompkins did. If we have a good team that passes the ball like they do at Utah State, that could be an area where maybe if he's healthy and he is whatever probably four-star guy at a high school comes close to that at Utah State, could be – another really good receiver within the conference. Mm-hmm. And so bring like what I think what, what just comes out to me is what Blake Anderson has done. Like, Hey, come here and look how the turnaround we had. You come here there. They, he sees an opening with Devin Tompkins off the NFL there. He has one year to play. And so there's a chance where he can come in and make a statement and play instead of being, I went to Alabama. We'll give you a chance, but he's wide receiver four. And he gets like 15 catches for like 60 yards on the year that might not be helpful for his future if that's what he's looking at to get the NFL. But if he breaks out of Utah State and has a solid year, that could be something to help him out big time. So yeah, that's and, a, we'll and see. The, and the important thing to keep in mind with the Aggies is like they haven't had to hit the transfer portal quite as hard this time around just no. because Blake Anderson's been doing a lot of really solid recruiting the old-fashioned way. Yeah. You, know, you, you look at 24-7 sports right now and you see that the Aggies are, at least right now, currently third in the conference as far as overall recruiting. Um, and, and granted, there's a, there's a little difference between like, you know, the average, you know, star or whatever, whatever formula that 24-7 sports uses to measure. Like, you know, they, they trail, you know, one, two, three teams that are behind them as far as like how their average recruit looks. But they brought in 23 guys. They brought in 18 three-star guys you know, transfers and, you know, just freshman recruits alike. And so I think that it's, it's sort of a, a different situation that the Aggies are dealing with than they were this time a year ago. No, that makes yeah, total sense. Because last year when you lose the coach, everything the way they did, that was pretty brutal. Yeah. So they've been able to reload on, on different fronts. And I think that, that, you know, they're maybe as a result in a much better position, both to compete this year and to set the foundation for the next couple of years. Yeah. So any other team that's any noise we need to get to that's like, hey, this is a big deal? CSU, well, I mentioned CSU, obviously. Boise State lost, lose a couple of coaches. That's a big deal from them, but that's different. Okay. So I'm interested to get your take on what the situation looks like in Nevada right now. Because, oh <laughs> you know, because you, because you mentioned Colorado State as being a big winner. And I think if we had had this conversation a couple of weeks ago, you know, obviously one of the big stories of the kind of the very early off season was that the Wolfpack got gutted. You know, you mentioned, you know, Cooks and Lockhart going to San Jose State, a ton mm-hmm. of guys going to Colorado State, uh, Daniel Grzeziak going to Utah State, you know, Jack Powers going to East Carolina, <laughs> a couple of linebackers going to East Wa- Eastern Washington and Washington State. 
so like they've had a lot of losses, right? But then very quietly, more recently, they started to to make up for some of those losses through the transfer portal as well. Yeah, they went heavy offensive line. That they got three of those guys, three coming in. A lot of power five teams got multiple players from Oregon. You have a wide receiver from Arizona and BJ Castile. Couple, a lot of guys coming in from like Liberty is a pretty solid program. They did pretty well. Few freeze there. Michigan with their DB with a Darian Green Warren. So it all depends too how you look at it. like okay these guys they got these big power five offers or better schools to than Nevada obviously, but not obviously. But you know, my point being like prestige pro names and mm-hmm. whatever. If they, it's like the Alabama receiver, he comes into Utah State, does that well? Well, it's worth it move. So these guys were at some point in their career in playing football, high school slash college, have been seen to be deserving to get offers to these big programs. Oregon could be for Pac-12 title. Yeah. Michigan, up or down, but this year they went to college football playoff. If these guys are assembling, and who knows why, there could be a million different reasons. They got hurt. I don't know all these guys' specifics of why they transferred could be a new guy coming up. It could be a change on the staff. We're not hearing about underneath Jim Harbaugh, even beneath the coordinators. There could be, I just want to, I didn't like playing in cold weather, Michigan or whatever. There could be a handful of different reasons closer to home or whatever. I'm from California. This is closer. But if these guys are somewhat close to what they were projected from high school and early college, this could be a good boon for Nevada because they're going to need a lot. They lost a lot. But they're bringing a lot of unknown talent. But if they're coming from bigger programs, they might be able to fit in nicely and earn early playing time to mesh in with whatever else they have. And so, getting guys from those type of schools is is good. It's not a bad thing. They got in what eight guys, three, four, five, ten, almost ten guys here, mm-hmm. and they're all from pretty big programs. Even like Joey Capper from San Diego State, they went double digit wins this past year. Everybody, every team they brought somebody from outside of Arizona were contending for conference were really good. I guess Cole Feiner, Fowler, how do you say it? Feiner from Colorado State. That's the only kind of exception just because Rams weren't that great. But everybody who played on these teams, but two guys from programs that were really good last year. So that could be something as well. Hey, I know how to win. My team did well. This is how we do it or something like that. Yeah, it was. it's kind of nice to see the Wolfpack doing like a little miniature version of what Colorado State did to them by pulling a few guys from, from the Ducks where Ken Wilson just came yeah. from. Yep, three guys, definitely. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And then I think you know one one more that I'm interested to get your in, the, uh, your opinion on, which might actually make for a segue and a nice segue to our other topic for today, is the fact that Hawaii's still had some moves of its own through the transfer portal in the last week or so too. You know they they brought in a quarterback, Cameron Cooper, who you know <laughs> until we started until we got the news yesterday that that Todd Graham resigned. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes you had to imagine that he was going to go in and, and compete for the starting job next year with Braden Shager. No, it would be the uh, Cameron Ward's going to be the starting quarterback of Washington state. That's why the guy from incarnate. Ward. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, oh, yeah. Cooper transferred from Washington state. And so I figured, you know, he was going to come in, he was going to pe- compete for the job under Todd Graham. Oh, I, I have some reason Shager. you said Shager. I'm like, wait, I'm, I have some reason I was thinking some of us, my apologies. That's no, why he left no Washington worries. state. My bad. <laughs> 
So, you know, he, come, he comes in, you're like, okay, you'll know, see, they're, they're still trying to make some moves. They're still trying to set themselves up. And then Todd Graham resigns. And then almost immediately after that, which, which, which was the day after, I believe, he had said that he had planned to return, Corey Bethley hits the transfer mm-hmm. portal. So, so now, you know, we know Cameron Lockridge, Cameron Lockridge is gone. I believe, and Scott brought it to our attention that, you know, he was committed to South Alabama and that he might actually go to Fresno State. I believe that's what he said. Yes, correct. Yes. Justice Devise already at San Diego State. You know, Nick Mardner, you know, is at Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Jonah Laulu is at Oklahoma. Siobhan Cordero is at San Jose State. Day Day Hunter is at Liberty. So, like, a lot of guys have moved on. Mm-hmm. So, I guess if, if you're a Warriors fan, like, obviously you feel relief at the fact that they're going to be able to turn the page from Todd Graham now. But, like, they're, they're looking at a hard reset no matter who comes in, right? Yeah, and we get the – it's. And like we mentioned early on, a lot of these guys, like there's a couple of guys who forget who it was, but um, had they transferred on in November, they would have stayed. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe and it was, um, you know, Jacob Yoro, I forget who brought us, who, who sent us the, the the message into our DMs that, you know, those guys who haven't, uh, and I, that was actually our, our guy, Scott, who said that, mm-hmm. you know, he's trying to talk to guys who are in the portal who haven't signed anything yet to try and bring them back to play whoever comes in. Which, you know, I, obviously I understand, and, and Yoro seems like the kind of guy, I think him and Abe Amalemian are, are guys who have seen, you know, time with the Warriors under multiple coaching staffs. And so it wouldn't surprise me if they stuck around for whoever comes in next. But, you know, like if, if you're an athlete, like, wouldn't you be tempted to just kind of say, you know what, I'm, I've, I've had enough of the turnover. I want to just kind of go do what's best for me. I don't blame them. They do what they do. What they need to. They do what they need to get done. That's yeah, like that's what I'm fine. saying. Like if if that were you, like that's what you probably lean toward doing, right? Um, well, probably because you don't know who the coach is going to be. Mm-hmm. And remember, like the AD said, uh, his name escapes me. I'll pull up in a second here. David Mallon. But he, yeah, David Mallon. He remember last time when after they when they before they hired Nikolovich left team meeting. Hey, what type? Not that they need to have input on who the coach is going to be, but what type of coach do you want? Yeah, so they're apparently having that same type of meeting now, or have had him. Like, I don't trust that guy. Why does he even still have a job? Essentially, for how much he was backing um, Todd Graham is like, even if I had the money, I wouldn't buy him out. It's like, so that's a concern Famous too. Last where words, right? <laughs> I, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> it has to be out on how the president hasn't been gone as well, and make the president. It, it's it's still an awkward situation, like. It, we can get to that in a minute because that's something I just thought of now. It could be a, a three to five year issue with Hawaii football program. But if you're already one foot out the door, particularly if like do you want Vic, Vic, um, do you want one of the guys on staff to take over? Like what different? Like would that make you more comfortable if somebody who is on staff? Like no, I wouldn't want a guy who's currently on staff, no matter how good they are, if he's their defensive coordinator, running backs coach, or whoever. Like he, they didn't protect you or be or tell Todd Graham to, hey, figure this out and quit being jerks. Like Victor Santa Cruz, like he was a good DC and he might be in the running potentially. But do you want a guy who's currently on staff who might be your coach who was not necessarily even more implicit than he wasn't necessarily doing what Todd Graham was doing, but wasn't defending the players, just kind of going with the flow to keep their job. So why would you want to like what if that guy what if Victor Santa Cruz is a new head coach? No. Would, would you want to stay? I don't mean I'm getting at like what is somehow like that's my point like you're already on your way out it's like I'm just done with this I don't want to it's going to be a new situation regardless I'd rather get a completely clean slate than make a 20% clean slate you know what I mean yeah. where some guys might hang around and anybody who's on the staff with Todd Graham they weren't as far as we know not many were telling him to to get his act together and I would probably be I'm just going to go unless you're like from Hawaii and you want to stay there. You're near graduating. Like if you're a grad transfer, you know, just whatever. I'm just done with school, whatever, but you're right. Probably just continue leaving unless there's some sort of something to pull you back. If you're from there specifically. Mm-hmm. So I would, yeah, I don't blame, but it's also the, the time crunch of this move where guys can't come back. They're already enrolled in class. They can't return. That's true. Even if they wanted to, like she have a Cordero from freaking Hawaii. Look, he's, he's gone. He's in class at San Jose, San Jose State. He's done. He's no longer a warrior. So. Yeah. 
They're probably they're, they're, yeah. <laughs> they're going to get a new coach. They need they well they need a new AD. Let me start with that conversation really quick because okay. typically it's yeah. like in any sport, who makes the hire? The AD makes the hire. Like oh, I'm going to come in a general manager for pro sports. I want my coach. And the other way around is kind of tricky and weird. Unless they're going to keep keep the AD around, and he make the hire, he better make sure it's one heck of a hire. He's gone shortly. Oh yeah. I think he I think he should be gone. But then it's like, well, who do I hire? The president, they make the coach hire, then AD. It's kind of awkward because say they go that route, which they're not, but let's just hypothetical they do. It doesn't seem that way. Here's a coach. Here's an AD. Five-year contract typically. Like they might have a short lease. He's like, I didn't like this guy. And he's not, he's not, there's any reason you go five and eight. I'm out of here. You're done. You know what I mean? Like where it's just six and seven, you're done. Mm-hmm. And that could put them back again. But it seems like Matt was going to stay. But they need a coach and they don't need to swing like, we hired offensive coach defense. Those are those things are dumb. What they do need is to get a coach who understands Hawaii, which Todd Graham oh, clearly, yeah. clearly clearly did not at all. And he doesn't need to be the buddy buddy with the players and all that type of stuff. But it's the type of coach where, like we discussed this before, if you're going to be pissed off at a guy, just don't make it personal in practice and get to know them a little bit. Like, hey, you freaking blew this. Your this this particular rep was garbage. It was terrible. But hey, here's how you do this and go do it again and make it better next time. Don't get the personal attacks in there to whatever slur Graham is using or something. Like, don't go that route. You can be in their face, aggressive, but also be, and be mad at them. But hey, here's how you do it. Like, you got to go both ways. And that should be like, this should, that should be something the past hundred years of any type of coaching. But that's not the case. Yeah. Cause that makes the most sense. But as for who, Okay, can we just can we just throw June Jones's name and kick it down the street in a rock and drown it? Because he should not be that coach. Never, he should not come back. Why not? He's old. Yeah. He, a coach who, despite him taking to the Sugar Bowl with Colt Brennan and everything, he's an amazing ambassador and done good for football in Hawaii. He did take SMU to a bowl game for the first time since her death penalty, but he is old. Second time around coaches, you typically do not fare that well. And it's a short-term hire, like a two- or three-year hire. I think they should maybe have him assist with maybe who could come along or something. But I don't think he should be a coach because of age. Second go-around is never as good as the first one typically. And I just don't – I just think it's a bad idea. Too many reasons for it to be a bad, bad idea. Mainly, he's 68 years old. Is he a three-year replacement? And then you're starting over again unless – like, what if he flames out? Does a John Robinson like it USC or something? So, so here's my counter argument, and and I say this only partially as a, as an enthusiast of a team who also just brought somebody back who's yeah. um um relatively old himself and is also there for the second time. So, <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking bringing back June Jones might not be such a terrible idea, but I think it really depends on what Hawaii envisions for the, for its program over the next five years. And I think it mostly comes down to, are they getting, are they viewing June Jones as like you said, something of a stopgap, And they think that, you know, with the right person to kind of like just hold things steady, which you know, in my opinion, it's really hard to envision anybody other than June Jones as being a better fit to play that kind of role. Yeah, I'll give I you a scenario. I don't, think, I don't think being old is a disqualifier in and of itself. I think Rocky Long. Would I'll give you a scenario. Well, I'll, I'll give you a scenario momentarily. Why? How I think it could work, and this is the only way it would work. Also, Jeff Tedford's eight years younger than um, June Jones. Yeah, so he's like sixty, right? Yes. So, so I don't think being old is necessarily a disqualifier in itself. I don't think that being a stopgap is necessarily a bad thing if they think that that's the way to rebuild trust. And I think to your point, like if he can bring along sort of like a, like an heir apparent quote unquote to sort of take over, Mm -hmm. you know, after that two or three years when the program is sort of on steadier ground, then yeah, I think that that's, I think that that would work out, but I think it's, and and I think it would also work out too, because Hawaii has been at its best when it does something nobody else is doing. And that's the run and shoot. Heck yeah. And there are very few coaches out there who still run the run and shoot. And, and which is not to say that I don't think that Hawaii would have, wouldn't be able to find success. Like for example, if they brought in somebody who did the air raid, Um, you know, I think they've had 
people on their staff, you know, especially in recent years, like, you know, look, think about GJ Kim, who was mm-hmm. the offensive co-offensive coordinator two years ago. And now he's at incarnate word and he's running the show down there. Um, you know, he, he went from Hawaii to UCF to, to UIW. And so, <laughs> you know, I think that if they have, if they can build up a coaching staff that has, you know, the right kind of offensive philosophy to get back to what they were doing best when they, or rather when the program has been at its best, you know, whether that's June Jones or whether it's somebody younger, then I think I, I can see it happening both ways. Like, I think that J- June Jones isn't necessarily like the, like the worst idea in the world for a program that's just looking to win back some trust in its community. Do you know why June Jones left Hawaii after the Sugar Bowl year? I don't remember that off the top of my head. If you search June Jones leaves Hawaii on on the Google machine, okay. do you all remember the lame, they don't have soap in the locker room type deal? Yes. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Basically, lack of university support. And and I'm glad you mentioned that because really, you know, and, and that's the, I, I always talk about it, but it, money is, is a driving yeah. force. But it's a driving force for a lot of questions we talk about on this podcast. And really, that's, I think, the most important thing for this program in particular is what can they afford? Because and remember, they don't have a stadium. Stadium, they can't sell tickets next year. Right? They're still going to be playing in that thousand seat stadium. Because I've seen some names being bandied about, but a lot of it seems like wish casting. And and then you know, I, I saw one article from the Deseret News. Ryan McDonald put a few names out there. And Ed you, Lamb, <laughs> yeah, you met. So I met. I saw you mention Ed Lamb on Twitter, and a lot of people. He was like, the number Why? two choice from last time. He was runner up. And I, and I think you know when you look at his resume, like it it makes a lot of sense. You know, they mentioned like he McDonald mentioned he, he recruits Hawaii for mm-hmm. BYU. He he worked in Southern Utah. He won at Southern Utah. Not always the easiest program to win out of the big NFL track. players in Southern Utah. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I could see, I mean, I, I think that, you know, the more you look at what he's act, what he actually does with the, that, you know, with Hawaii, like it, it makes sense, mm-hmm. but there were some other, you know, like Robert and I, I think is no, probably, no, is, no, no. But I was you just saying like, you, you mentioned, you mentioned, I mean, you say no, but I think he's probably just too expensive. Um, I mean, how much, I was, say how much was he making they, at Virginia? I'll look, but there's a reason he was not even close to be considered to taking over BYU when Bronco Mendenhall left for Virginia. I mean, not I, even and I, and did not get an interview. Didn't I'm just saying did not get an interview as the offensive coordinator, fairly innovator type of guy, like his go fast, go hard, which kind of worked, kind of didn't hockey sub substitution for offensive line worked reasonably well. He yeah, did I'm just not, saying, yeah, like guys, guys well, like, I know I'm just saying if you, if you're the offensive coordinator for a team, that's pretty good because Bronco Mendenhall left just kind of out in the open or out in the blue. It's like, Oh, he's going. This BOA was it's independent years where they're still good, but not great. They're winning eight games or something. So mm-hmm. it's kind of hard still before this past couple of years. He did not get a sniff for that head coaching job. Yeah. Like, why, why is it the case? He's tried to get head coaching job. It's like Andy Ludwig. He's not Utah. He was at San Diego State. He was at Indiana. Mm-hmm. He was at Utah back in the Mountain West before. Not getting a sniff of head coaching job. There's a reason these guys aren't getting close. His get attitudes. That pretty brisk interviewing him as a bruff. He tries to be funny, but he comes off as kind of like a weirdo. Like he, his name. Yeah. What he recruited. Yeah. I just don't see him as a head coach. No, I, And I get what you're saying. I just think, you know, beyond all that, I think they just can't afford him. Same thing with Ken Yuma Tololo. No, there's yeah, there, there's a money thing, which is why like June Jones, I'm reading this thing, decade thing from ESPN or the AP, I should say. It wasn't because of salary. It was mostly because of just support in general overall, which is weird mm-hmm. because there's no other team to support as big as white football in Hawaii. That's all they, not all they have, but that's the biggest sporting live sporting team in town. Yeah. Like I know their women's volleyball teams usually pretty good, but that's not football. Basketball was not very good. They made a tournament, I think, a couple years ago from the Big West, but which is which is why I think you know, I, and I, you know, I say June Jones, I don't think is a bad option, but I think what is more likely to happen is Hawaii needs to dig really deep and they, they need to find their own version of Brent Brennan. You know, you know, my idea they should do also, it should be noted when Ju Jones left, he's making $800,000 a year back in 2008. Mm-hmm. He left the SMU to about 1.7. Yeah. So here's what re- one reason, like you mentioned, like, heir apparent, bring in 
because Timmy Chang's name has been brought out, but he's yeah. his highest position at FBS is I say only, but he's never been a coordinator. So going from a wide receivers coach to a head coach, that's a that's a huge jump. Yes. And so maybe bring him to be your offensive coordinator and he's your head coach in four years. That's like the only way I could see it. Like you have a guy, they see to get that experience of calling plays and do more responsibility. And I could see if you bring in June Jones as your head coach and Timmy Chang as your OC, I would be on board with that. But that's about the only way I'd want to bring June Jones back where, you know, you, it's kind of, it's kind of a weird thing to say out loud. Hey, we're bringing you in for a couple of years till you retire and you're 71 or something. But I think it would Community support, people would love the name, love the hire. Results better be there, of course, but bring in Timmy Chang to be your new coach in a couple of years. I know coaching away doesn't always work all the time, but with Hawaii, I think going from June Jones to Timmy Chang in four years would be a pretty smart move. Well, and and that's why I think you know the, the Timmy Chang talk on its face, it makes a lot of sense. And because you know, he 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 operated within the system that you know again, they, he was a run and shoot guy. You know, he's familiar with air raid, you know, concepts as part of, you know, Jay Norvell's staff at first Nevada mm-hmm. and now, you know, Colorado state. And so I think if you're going to go in that direction, then I think you need to bring someone like Chang in and then you need to tear things down to the studs and just start over and, and recognize that you were probably looking at a situation that like New Mexico was facing last year. And give, it, yeah. and, and give him the time to build things up, you know, let, give him the time to build an exciting offense and a, you know, and a flawed of, you know, maybe reckless abandoned type defense <laughs> and, and, and maybe hope that you catch lightning in a bottle in the same way that Nick Rolovich did back in 2017. That yeah, I think that's a- that I think is maybe the most likely scenario. And I think if, if that's going to be the case, then, you know, I don't think you necessarily need to bring in someone like Timmy Chang as an heir apparent. I think you just need to bring in Timmy Chang and let him work. Interesting. You've also another good option. I think Brian Jones could be a good good pick. Or Brian Smith. Brian, Brian Smith. Smith. Yeah. Sorry, he's a Washington State coach with Rolovich, was played at Hawaii, coach um with you Jones and Greg. He's been on Hawaii staff under the last three coaches. Jones, yes. Greg McMacken, and Nick Rolovich followed him to Wazoo. That could be a that I think that could be a pretty good hire as well. That might be kind of a mix of both between Chang and June Jones because he has the high-level experience as OC and he has ties to Hawaii and under staffs that were successful. Yeah. So I think that could be, if they were going to go, if they want the experience route, I think I could see him being a front runner clearly more than Chang, even though Chang's probably the more popular name around town. I just don't think Chang has that experience quite yet. Like I said, I guess it mostly depends on what he brings to the table, not only in terms of like his X's and O's, but like, you know, like I said, his familiarity with the culture, of, you know, with the Hawaiian culture. Well, and, kind of Hawaii, so yeah. And what he can do for recruiting, you know, as far as being able to keep local talent on the islands and bring them into the fold in the same way that, that Rolovich was to some extent and, and June Jones before him. So what do you think about like, – I have an article I haven't written that I've kind of been lazy, but it's kind of mostly done. Like we mentioned Victor Santa Cruz. Do you think he has a chance to stay on a staff as a head coach? I don't think so, no. Okay. Think he'll get an interview? No. No? I, I, think, I, I think they are likely to just turn the page completely on the on the current coaching staff. I think that's a smart idea, unless there's with, maybe with, – with, Like I said, I think with the exception of those guys who were holdovers beforehand, you know, Yoro and Elamemian uh, uh, in particular. Yeah, stuff like that, yeah. Other names have been out there. Brian Norwood at UCLA is his head coach, mm-hmm. assistant head coach. He's done a couple things. Um, mostly he coaches all over the board. Like, it's weird. He's the assistant head coach, or maybe it's associate coach. I forget. I think assistant. But it's this is a weird combination, which could make for good head coach. It's like with Ed Lamb. Or remember when Brian Pullian was the Nevada coach, yeah, he was yeah. a special teams coordinator. So you're always, which at the time you think it's weird, but the past few months I've been thinking about it, that's actually about might be a better situation for a head coach because you're dealing with everybody on the team, offense, defense, mm-hmm. obviously specialists. It's You're dealing with a lot of different boys, not just a quarterback, running back, and offensive line if you're OC. But he's the defensive backs coach and a, pass, and a passing game coordinator. That's kind of a weird combination. That is kind of interesting, yeah. It is, but you're dealing with all sorts of different players on your team, like passing game coordinator, quarterback, obviously, anybody who catches the ball, lineman, like the whole offense, essentially, and then also your coach of the DB. So that's interesting that kind of is an overall look. You have, Then you have guys like Johnny Nansen, who just took over for Dr. Was it Dr. Blitz at Arizona, yeah. D.C., but he's never he's similar to Timmy Chang, where he's never been a coordinator at any level. 
he's always been like he's been a special teams coordinator, but nothing overall where it's been calling plays. Yeah. So I think we're in agreement that what they should do is get somebody who's knows the area very well, familiar, familiar with the culture specifically, and will bring excitement to the program. I, I, and, think, I think they, I think that what they need to do, like I said, I think they need to follow what New Mexico did after Bob Davey, and they just need to tear it all down and find a guy who's find a guy who knows the area, knows the culture, and just let him work. Because they brought in Danny Gonzalez, but he had the OC, never seen me the defensive coordinator experience at San Diego State and yeah. Arizona State. Yeah, and and he had the benefit of bringing in someone like Rocky Long to yeah. to coach that that side of the ball. Which you know, if you if you look at what they've actually done in his first two years, like that defense has improved. So do you bring in Timmy Chang, head coach, June Jones, OC? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it may sound crazy on his face, but if you, if you could talk June Jones into it, why not? I'm just saying, it wouldn't be a long-term thing. It'd be exactly what Rocky Long did. Like, it's been done. It's been done well. And your overall, what you have to do for the job is less demanding. Exactly. And that could and that could be a way to – because think of this way. If you're a head coach, you're not just a head of football coach. You are, hey, when's the bus leaving? What when, When's the plane leave? When What hotel are we staying in? Yeah. You're dealing with a lot of administrative stuff as well. But if you have June Jones just, coach, just go set fire to the offense – and not worry about it and give Timmy Ching, hey, tips here and there about other things, but here's what you should do. Maybe I'd do this. It's not, it's a, it's, it's a unique idea that I, I would, I think those two should come together. That's what I'm leaning toward now. Mm-hmm. I, if you're going your route with Danny Gonzalez, I like that way too for New Mexico. I would be fine either way. I, it would be unique and kind of odd, but I don't think that's like, that's not such a, like dumb cliche, worst worst idea in the world, but it it would be something where because if you're going to break it down, just kind of start over. It you want what's your most optimal way to get back to being where Hawaii football is? They remember the past couple of years they've been to a conference championship. They've gone to one of the few teams to go to a, a big time bowl game in the past 15 years. They've proven after success. They were back in the whack. They were giving everybody trouble. They knocked BYU out of the BCS back in like 98, 99. Like they are be they're they're known to have good offense and, and be good pro be good teams. Mm-hmm. Like really good teams. Their consistency hasn't quite been, been there, but to bring it back, like I said, just what's the best way to get them going? Okay, head coach, I don't want to say it's a not important job, but it is. But you got the coaching speaks, you got the alumni stuff, you got the booster meetings, you have go rah rah speeches to whatever restaurant or country club in the area. We have June Jones just sitting behind the desk and running the plays, man. Like to get the offense going optimal, he can just focus on that and deal that and let the young guy deal with the other crap, the stuff that's not coaching. Yeah, I can get behind I like that, that idea. I, I That's what I, my official stance Timmy Ching, head, head coach, June Jones, offensive coordinator. There you go. Who's with me? Anybody? I'm, I'm with there. you. I'm with you. I, like that. I got I got one person. I, I do think that's a – it just – I don't know. It's, but it's why that far off to do that. Like should they – like go back to what you said, break it all down. Are they at a point where they still won six games last year? Two years ago there – or I guess three years ago, they're in the conference championship game. So I don't know. Do you think they need to really break it down that far? I mean, given how much thought, how much talent they've lost already this year, not only mm-hmm. in terms of talent to the transfer portal, but like other guys were moving on just to the pro ranks anyway. You know, you're like your Cortez Davises and the like. So yeah, honestly, with as okay. with as little talent as they have coming back, you know, as far as like experience is concerned, I think you know, you just gotta like kind of you know take your lumps in 2022, no matter who you hire, and go from there. Any other names you think they should be looking at? I see a couple of lists like KHON has a list out there. Yeah, because I, mean, I, Bruce- I mean, I know that there are other coaches who have ties to the program, whether in terms of like former players or former coach. I just don't know like how, like I said, I don't know if the, how many of these guys they can actually afford. How much do you think they need to pay? How much were, How much was Nevada playing, paying Jay Norvell? 600000 uh, honestly, like, could you see them paying any more than that for whoever they bring in next after Todd Graham disaster? You're not getting June Jones with $500,000? Not unless he's okay with the reduced workload. As OC? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you're paying him 300000 if he's the OC. 
Yeah, I'm just saying, like, I just like I, I just don't know, like, I, you know, because I, I, I know that there are guys who have coached on the, the downs before, like, you know, a perfect example, like Trent Miles, who was the former head coach at both Indiana State and Georgia State, who's currently as part of the Philadelphia Eagles staff, but you know, he was on the he was on the island for two years back in like the mid '90s, so that may not be the greatest fit per se, or. I mean, I just, you know, I, I can, I can probably put a few more names out there. I just don't know that the, the, the realistic. Yeah. It's sort of like a narrow band of guys who are familiar with what has made the program successful in the past that are, that are likely to be interested. Is everything I've seen like from, from places it's like, Oh, they recruit Hawaii. Well, yeah. Like, Oh, you have, um, or like you have Tony Tuioti from Oregon defense line coach. Mm-hmm. Do you want a defensive line coach to be your head coach? That's a huge jump. I know he's been at Hawaii, Nebraska, Cal, Michigan, and even the Cleveland Browns. It's all these guys like Rich Miano, okay, former U- U- Hawaii assistant. Or do you want, like, all these guys, like, obviously June Jones, but let's bring in, like, Chad Kawaaha to come over there, or, like, Brian Ord, we mentioned, or Aki- Akiki Maloe, I believe I'm pronouncing this correctly, hopefully, have been around. So it's like, I, it's guys who are never coached there, or they just played there, maybe being G- GA or recruited there. Well, like, Ed Lamb, He's a good coach, but he just – Robert and I, they recruited the area well. I think they need a bit more than just, oh, I know the Hawaii mm-hmm. Islands from recruiting two dozen guys in – you know what I mean? A dozen guys in however many years. Yeah. I think it needs to be more than that. As for the coaching salary, um, Craig Bull still makes the most, most I believe, $1.6 million. At the end, um, Jane Overall was six twenty five. Todd Graham was 800000 um, which was what they paid June Jones and Greg and McMacken back in the day. Um, Norm Chow was about 600,000. So I'm guessing 700,000 might be where they're at. I guess we'll have to wait and see if we know. So, well, who's your, if you're going to like, Hey, here's, I'm going to make a bet and who's going to be head coach. What do you think the head coach is going to be? Or who's it going to be? Honestly, I can, I can see them making a hard push for Timmy Chang. He's got the permission to interview, correct? Isn't that the case from Stephen Sai earlier today? So, yeah. So, is that your official stance? You think it's going to be Timmy Chang? I mean, if if I had to pick a front runner right now, I would think it's probably Chang. Yeah. Who, if you're if you're the hiring committee, who are you hiring, Chang or Jones? Personally, it, like if I'm looking at this as a long term project, I would go with Chang because you know you're looking for a young guy knows the program, knows how to recruit, and and knows what has made the program successful in the past. Okay. I like Chang. I like my idea of a Chang uh, Jones ticket together to come to town. Mm-hmm. I like I like that idea with Chang as head coach. I just like I don't want to put age like oh he's just old, but like but do you want a program like to build and go up and stall again, or what if it's like a freaking John Robinson situation? You don't want that to happen, and it's just I just don't like that path they're going because it doesn't seem like a way they're going to grow the program. Mm-hmm. Whereas if Timmy Chang comes there as head coach or somebody else that comes in to take over where, you know, they're, yeah, they may leave for a better job down the road because like if Brian Smith comes in, he's been at the P5 level OC, one of those guys, like they look for a better job, but you're right. And Jude Jones just retired in a couple of years. So you better build out that staff where, where should we want to bring in and promote right away? Yeah, that's true. Because that's where it's like, okay, maybe he does great in three years, but he's freaking 70 years old. And you know how much travel we got to recruit in Hawaii? You're, Traveling like just to get to LA or San Francisco is like a four hour flight. Like to, and if you're getting guys from Texas, maybe or somewhere in the Florida for heck sakes, geez, you're going everywhere to recruit. So it's a, that's like it wear and tear is on the older guy. Yeah. And so that's just something else to think about. It's just a lifestyle thing. Like you're gone traveling. He's done it. He knows what it's about. But again, it's hard to, that question you come up with the AD. Like, so you said last time we don't care about football essentially. How you get what? Why do you want this job now? If you said we don't care about or support the football program to the level you felt acceptable back in two thousand eight, that's going to come up, and that's a hard question to answer to that's give fair. a good response. Yeah. And so, there's other ways. Uh, th- there are other good reasons to bring it back, but that's something you can't get past. It's going to be very hard to. Mm-hmm. So, my stance, I think, oh man, I have a couple options. I, I really talked myself into Timmy Chang slash June Jones. But I do think if they're going to go just a, here's the head coach and go forward, I think Brian Smith would be my guy. Yeah, He's be been under that. Jones, been under Rolovich, been under McMacken. 
not Norm Chow, but I think he knows enough, has enough experience beyond Hawaii to be able to come in and make that choice to be their head coach. That's what I would lean toward. That's reasonable. Anything else you need to add about this uh, particular program? Any other Hawaii football, anything, Senior Bowl coming up, Shrine Bowl coming up, all that stuff coming up pretty soon, I guess? I think we're all set for now. All right, so check us back next week, next time. Assuming next week, that's our plan to go about once a week. There may be some random shows here or there. MWR.com website, obviously. Subscribe, give us a review. Like, hey, these guys are pretty good. I'll take pretty good, right? I'm not against yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> Just pretty good. I right, next week we are going to bring in our super early 2022 picks because I'm finally going to post an article which I promised everybody like a week ago. <laughs> but I'm going to put that out there. We can have some fun, make some bold picks, and assuming man, probably a Hawaii update some sort, right, Matt? Yeah. All right, so that's it for this time. MWR.com, and we'll drag everybody through and pull everybody along and swim up the current to the off season because it will be. Uh, It's a ways to go, but we'll keep you entertained, hopefully, and maybe informed a little bit too. So we'll see you next time.